0: Hello, I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the breeding season upon us, dairy specialist Stuart Childs gives us his top tips to maximise submission rate on your farm. But first, I asked him about the importance of detecting heat pre-breeding.
1: Well Emily louise in order to get cows in calf in an appropriate time fashion, I think it's important that people do some sort of pre-breeding. A lot of people are possibly allergic to the thought of that, but uh, what we would be recommending is that people would tailpaint the entire herd um, around now and just with minimal observation just observe what cows are showing heat uh, between here and the start of breeding and obviously then the cows that haven't shown heat will be cows that should probably be examined early on in order to make sure that they're going to maximize their submission rate
0: and i guess if we look at say a breeding start date so um people had a rigid date that they always started their ai and and the breeding season on in the past and i suppose in recent springs there's been debates you know should we start a bit later a little bit earlier um what factors should people consider when um when looking at the particular date for their farm
1: I think the most important factor all the time is uh, your general grass situation in a normal type of year. There was possibly quite a knee-jerk reaction in response to the spring that was twenty seventeen, and people delayed start of calving um, or started breeding, obviously in in seventeen in eighteen, and the um, and calving date then in eighteen was affected or nineteen was affected by that as a result. And obviously people then found that they were struggling to get through grass covers uh, this year because we actually had a, a, something a, a better than normal spring even. So I would say that what you said in terms of people normally having a kind of a date they normally stick to, I think that probably still applies in terms of as long as you're happy that it's working for your farm um what we would see is you're probably as you go closer to cork city you probably have an earlier start date as you come up around here around moorpark probably looking at kind of 25th of april kind of start of breeding which is going to be first of february but people should bear in mind that there is a good chance that there's going to be 10 to 15 percent of the herd calved before that stage by that stage now from my own personal point of view i think that's possibly not a bad thing that you have. A small proportion of the herd calved in advance of the 1st of February, which allows you to go to grass more or less straight away, weather allowing um, on the 1st of February and helps you hit the targets. But if you're extremely compact calving, um, it, it is possibly advisable to push your start date for to start for the 7th of February, but actually be calving by the 1st of February.
0: And you mentioned like, you know, around the 1st of February here around the Park area. And as if we move up the country, you know, and, you know, an example could be like in the Bally Hayes farm, you know, they push out calving a little bit further. So you would imagine if somebody had a calving start date of the 15th of February, you actually will have cows starting to calve around the 7th and, and from then on
1: Correct yeah and I suppose the other thing is as we move north everything does push that little bit later so it's it's justifiable to push the calving that, that bit later too in order to tie in with grass growth.
0: And a follow up then in terms of heat detection where you're finding cows are not cycling um, in your pre-breeding, pre-breeding period, what sort of um, steps should you take uh, to deal with those cows?
1: Um, firstly I suppose as well as the non-cyclers I think it's important that as long as people have good records, any cow that has had hard calving, um, maybe retained fetal membranes, had milk fever or ketosis, um, should be also examined. Even if they have shown heat, uh, it's only going to be a small proportion of cows, and the person's going to be in the air ER to scan anyway. So I think it's advisable um, as kind as previous history would possibly suggest that there are cows that do actually show heat but potentially may not go in calf ultimately so it's worth scanning those when you're scanning the other non-cyclers. Then in terms of what you do with them I suppose our key objective is to maximise our submission rate in the first three weeks. We want to target 90%. In order to do that we have to identify these non-cyclers early and we have to treat them appropriately Depending on who you'll talk to now, um, some people would suggest that if they're greater than 35 days calved, they should be put on a normal synchronisation protocol. Others will just maybe give a shot of prostaglandin if they look like they're coming in heat and just need the encouragement of the prostaglandin. Again, the scanners are the best people to advise in this case. But the important thing is to try to identify these possibly in the first week of breeding, ideally. And that's where your pre-breeding tail painting comes into play. And... and have those cows submitted in the first three weeks. That's going to be the key driver to pushing up the six week calving rate for 2020. 20.
0: And I mean going back to that and, and and that was you know a question that I was going to come to was the the um, submission rate and you're setting a target of uh, 90% for the first three weeks. When we look at that figure are we talking about 90% of cows available for breeding or do we include all cows in the herd?
1: Uh, we're talking about the cows that you intend to have for next year or so obviously if you've cows identified for culling it, you will not be trying to breed these um, so you'll be leaving them out of the calculation for your 90% I suppose the key thing is that uh, they are, the cull cows are identified early and maybe some um, way of preventing them coming into heat is is considered so maybe putting a, a prid or a, a, a cedar into them could actually stop them coming bulling and it avoids the scenario where they get put in calf by accident in the heat of of um AI season basically and they're around for another year then.
0: And then if you consider a late calver on the farm, so say for argument's sake, a cow that calves today, um, you know, and you're saying maybe, you know, thirty-five days time they'll start cycling again, do we include those cows in our ni- in our ninety percent target for the submission rate? Or are they, you know, are they taken out of that calculation?
1: Any cow that's calved on the st- on mating start date is going to be considered in that ninety percent. So just to come back on those cows that are just calving at the moment, it is probably advisable that they would, uh, subject to being clear to going into the tank following withdrawals, etc., be put on once a day, um, up until they're bred, potentially, because people should bear in mind that, notwithstanding that we've slightly lower growth at the minute, maybe, which might be putting pressure on grass uh, situations on farms currently, but the, the situation is with those animals is that they're actually going out with lower level of intake than a lot of the other herd. And if you're pushing them to them to the same level as you're pushing the main herd, they're not actually getting in the energy that they require. So they're, that's actually going to further delay their, their um, return to cyclicity. So if we can put them on once a day, we obviously lower their energy demand, keep feeding them as normal with the rest of the herd, then they will have slightly lower milk yield, but you'll gain it in terms of the earlier Going back in calf earlier and being available then to produce milk earlier in the season the coming year,
0: and I suppose ideally then we hit we hit our ninety percent um, three week submission rate. What do we expect to see then in terms of performance when we talk about conception rates, say our six week calving rate as a result of that?
1: Yeah, I think generally the figure that we always work off of would be 60%. You can get higher if uh, very fertile herds can touch up on 65% potentially. Um, But in general, you're working off a 60% conception rate.
0: Okay. And then if we turn our attention to the cow, and you've alluded to once a day for late calvers, um, if we talk about... um, Other strategies, I suppose, to uh, make sure cows are, you know, fit for breeding and in good condition when it comes to breeding. Is once a day an option for the whole herd or particular cows within the herd?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose if you're in general, this year has been a good year to cows. We've had relatively good conditions with the exception of one week through the spring. So cows have gotten full value out of any grass that they have consumed probably been on three to four kilos a meal along with that so they're in good order in general Um, i suppose coming back to the cows that i pointed out earlier in terms of retained feet and membranes hard calvings etc if they're under pressure maybe they could uh, be considered for once a day so any cow that has lost significant amount of body condition since calving um, or is less than 2.5 or around the 2.5 mark now even currently should be put on once a day and until bred
0: and then in terms of the um, observation of heat, what are the main, um, I suppose, aids that you see on farms at the moment?
1: Yeah, the main aid is obviously tail paint. Um Scratch cards are becoming popular, particularly in heifers, but I see a few more herds beginning to move in that direction for cows also. A bit of time involved in putting them on, but they're probably... They stay on until the cow is, is bulling at least, whereas tail paint has to be topped up constantly. I suppose, just to, from the point of view of tail paint, it's only as effective as, as the effectiveness of the tail painting regime. So, there's a, a new product actually on the market there, uh, tailpainter.com. I think it's a, a cork based crowd making a, a tail painting roller that can be applied using tail paint can be applied in the milking parlor from the ground rather than having to hop up and down which is probably one of the main reasons that people actually don't uh, top up tail paint there's also another uh, paint roller uh, available that's suited to the cow's tail head that can be used from the pit as well so that might be worth looking at for people in order to try and um, maximize their tail painting uh, pr- abilities I suppose during the course of the breeding season the other thing that has really really been effective at farm level in terms of uh, increasing submission rates have been vasectomised bulls potentially getting a little bit late now at this stage to uh, get a bull done um, but it's a good idea maybe if there was a calf left a, a male Frisian calf or uh, crossbred calf or something left over from the so that you might retain them and actually vasectomize them the coming year anywhere they have been kept they have there's been a significant increase in the six-week calving rate as a result of them the other thing which i do see um coming in more and more in the last couple of years is, is the automation of, of tail paint or the automation of heat detection through the likes of the moo monitors and other various systems like that Uh, and yes they're expensive but they probably do have a a role to play in terms of herd sizes and labour efficiency and so forth where labour is is, um, unavailable on farms maybe they can help so they definitely are effective um, and some herds are relying on these now completely without any tail paint others probably like the reassurance of the tail paint still but they can be used to great effect to increase submission rates as well. So if the, if you have the money and you're willing to spend it, it's a good place to spend it potentially.
0: And and to pick up then on the vasectomised bull, um, you know we, we see there's recommendations in terms of the ratio of uh, cows to bulls, say with when you're look looking at a mop up bull. Is there any recommendation in terms of vasectomized bulls? What sort of power have they?
1: Yeah, I suppose um, the recommendation with the cow herd anyway would be that you wouldn't have um, a vasectomized bull left off for the first three weeks because there should be sufficient heat activity. Generally, if you take your herd size and divide it by 20 or 21, you should have a, a number of how many cows you'd be expecting to be bullying on any particular day during your breeding season Um, for the first three weeks in particular. And subsequently then when heat activity begins to drop off when we have 60% in calf to our first service, um obviously then our vasectomized bull can come in. So the herd size is going to be important. It probably is the same really as your normal bull. So you're expecting a young bull to be capable of handling 15 to 20 cows. A mature bull probably would handle 20 to 30 cows. So if you apply the same uh, ratios to the vasectomized bulls, then you're going to have to have possibly one or two at least available on the kind of average size herd that we're dealing with now.
0: And then is there a role for rotation within the system there?
1: Yeah, definitely, because uh, they they especially with the younger bull, they tend to be very active in terms of. Uh, patrolling the farm and they actually don't could spend a lot of the day patrolling and not actually grazing at all so they get very tired and get spun out quite quickly so there is po- probably merit in stepping them off basically for 24 hours and swapping in the other bull for the for the next 24 hours yeah and,
0: and, and I suppose there is um, a health and safety warning with a vasectomized bull they, they mightn't be a full bull but they're um, you know they're, they're still a danger within the system yeah I suppose and, the one
1: thing about them is that they, the I suppose the beauty of them is that, that if they do get Cross, they can be um, got rid of straight away. Whereas you're probably less likely to do it with a, a normal bull.
0: Finally, then, when we're when we're talking about heat detection, I suppose in the past, you know, if we look back years and years ago, there would have been no, um, I suppose, aids uh, to help us with observation, and it was all vis- visual observation. Is there a role of the on, on farms to continue visual observation as well as using something like your tail paint, your scratch card, or your automation?
1: Uh, I think I suppose to be fair, huge uh, success is is um, available on, or is visible on farm from just tail paint and observing at milking times. I think it's a very good point to stand up at the back of the pit as cows are going into the parlour, especially with bigger herds because it's very hard to see what cows are jumping on the way into the parlour um, because of the distance that you might be behind the herd. So standing up at the back of the parlour to see what tail paint has come off on the way in. However, if... Um, if your performance is less than adequate, I suppose, in the last number of years, then extra observations may not be a bad thing. So I, I would say that you may be, in, being conscious of the amount of time that people have available, maybe putting in a, an observation period of, the, of 20 to 25 minutes in the middle of the day might be another opportunity to... Um, identifies cows that are bullying at that time. But other than that, it's becoming excessively cumbersome, I think, in terms of labour demands and so forth. Um, it, again, it, it depends on work, what works for people. I think uh, if something's working for you, don't change it. But if it's not working, it obviously needs to be changed, so...
0: And finally, then Stuart, um, you know we, we've talked an awful lot about the cows, but we might turn our attention to the heifers for a few minutes. See, heifers, you know, there's a variation. Some are on site on farms, and and some are on an out an out farm. Uh, they have a huge role to play in terms of hitting our targets. You know, particularly if we, we mentioned here our our ninety percent uh, three week submission rate. I suppose should they be treated differently, or are they? Is it the same sort of protocol as you
1: would have with cows? Yeah, I think um, it's it's good that you mention it, and especially the fact that they can have varying uh, locations on farms. I think there are many options for people. Uh, quite often people take the easy option in terms of the heifers because they're away from the farm and you let off a bull with them, and you're missing out on genetic gain in, in that sense as well then because more, uh, more likely than not it's going to be an Angus bull that will be left for, with them for ease of calving. So I would probably look at the options that are available in terms of uh, fixed-time AI maybe. Um, the potential is there. You have you have ordinary f- uh, protocols for synchronizing heifers as well, which will be breeding for the first six to seven days, and then injecting with prostaglandin for to bring in the remainder of the heifers to get your heat detection in your heifers completed within ten to twelve days. As I said, fixed time AI is a possibility where you could handle the heifers in three different days and have them all bred. Um, So people should look at that in order to try and use the dairy AI as as much as possible rather than wasting a generation with a a beef straw as well. I think the big, big thing from my perspective for people doing these protocols, be it in cows or in heifers, is to write out the days according to the protocol. So if you're starting Monday, have the day beside it because quite often there's a bit of confusion between day zero and day one, etc. So I think if it's it's written out uh, on paper Monday, Injection one, choose injection two, etc. It's it leads to more su- greater success rates.
0: Could you just talk us through like the, the detail of fixed time AI just so that we're clear on on what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I suppose um, in terms of the cows in particular, which will be ones where cows are, are being uh, treated for not cycling. Day day zero, we'll say, which will be generally a Monday. I suppose would be the, a good day to start, but whatever day it is, you'd insert a cedar or an injected, um GNRH, which is to in Uh, produce an egg basically the following Monday then you're injecting with prostaglandin and removing the cedar this is in order to try and get them to ovulate uh, on the 1st of May which is day 9 then in that scenario you're going to be injecting with GnRH to cause ovulation again and then you're inseminating the following day then uh, 16 to 20 hours afterwards so we'll say you have an AM, AM, PM and AM kind of scenario there uh, so, as I said, it's it can cause confusion, it quite often does, and if you talk to people in the trade who are uh, working as vets or scanning, maybe they will say that it's the protocols that where people slip up, where they don't work, these will work if they're done right. Um, now, obviously, you can't guarantee 100% conception rate, but... As assuming all the steps are followed, you will have relatively high success with these uh, protocols. So,
0: so you're talking. Just to recap, you're talking. Your day, day zero is a, is typically a Monday on farms, and then you there's no treatment again until the following the Monday. Monday yeah. And then you're you're talking about then. 2 days after that in the afternoon you're um, injecting again and then it's the following morning so the Thursday morning um is the is the um is the AI and the submission it's it's interesting that you mentioned the stock bull as well and there's a lot of people using the stock bull i suppose out of convenience and i suppose we can't emphasize enough i suppose firstly that our heifers are the most genetically the the highest genetic merit in our herd and also when we look at stock bulls where you're using a stock bull it needs to be a very high EBI stock bull you know if you know said they we would have spoken to people like Kevin downing here and um, he would have said that the stock bull is so far behind your average team of bulls that we're using for our cows.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I couldn't, uh, I, I actually find it very hard to stand over anyone using a Friesian stock bull on, on heifers because it's just compromising the future of the herd far too far, much. Uh, I'd nearly rather a person use an Angus bull on heifers rather than use a Friesian bull. AI should be used where wherever possible um, in order to maximize the genetic potential. The benefits of EBI are pr- well proven at this stage and they should be. Uh, Maximised where, where possible so breeding heifers to Dairy AI is, is key
0: So I think that's a great note to finish on Stuart and I suppose we've a really good roadmap to um, all the steps that you've given us to, um, I suppose to target our 90% submission rate um, to have a successful breeding season for 2019 Thank you That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Stuart Childs for joining me on this week's show don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.